Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico with my friend and colleague Kennington Smith of the Des Moines Register. Action-packed day today, Kennington. Uh, uh, we don't often get more than an hour of press conference activity uh, in one sitting, but today is one of those days where we got all three coordinators. First time we've heard from any assistant coaches this spring, and it'll be the only time we hear from them uh, this spring. So, Obviously, we were anticipating this day with uh, Brian Ferentz, Phil Parker, and LeVar Woods. Uh, I thought it was it was almost, to me, like just three totally different experiences, <laughs> starting Brian. With, with Brian to Phil to LeVar. You, why don't you take it from here? What, what stood out to you uh, just right off the top, my friend? Yeah, I think, like you said, the moods of everyone, that was probably the most – Cut and dry Brian Ferentz I've seen in two years on the beat. I think Phil Parker was a little bit of both between optimism, criticism of some things that he's seen on defense, but mostly optimism. And I think um, LeVar obviously has to be very excited about what he has coming back on special teams. I mean, he's the only one of the three that is bringing back all of his major contributors from last year, every starter from kicker, punter, long snapper, gunner, punt return, kick return, um, the, the whole crew is back. So a lot of it is just getting younger guys some snaps and experimenting a little bit. So like you said, uh, different moves from everyone, but um, obviously the uh, the offensive coordinator who went first is probably of the, of the most attention to Hawkeye fans. And I thought he had some extremely interesting commentary today. Yeah, obviously, I think that's probably the best place to start. We might as well go sequentially here as our uh, uh, our, our viewers jump in uh, during this YouTube broadcast. But, uh, yeah, Brian Ferentz went for – we kind of expected, like, I don't know, like 35 minutes of Brian, maybe 15 of Phil, 15 of LeVar, something like that. But it was like they cut him off, which is fine. They made it pretty rigid 20-20-20. Uh, in fact, I think LeVar went the longest, but uh, so probably didn't get You know, I had a few more questions I wanted to get in uh, with Brian, but let's just focus on what he did say uh, in those 19 minutes or so. Uh, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me was not just the contract stuff, which we expect. I didn't expect to get anything, <laughs> you know, to say oh, this is a dumb contract or whatever about his 25 points per game. He did address that and actually was was really strong on that topic. Uh, so I guess let's start there. But, you know, the part that I was sort of that struck me the most was the lack of just basically. Let's start actually with this. Just basically that there's. If you think there's going to be changes on offense, <laughs> uh, there are not going to be changes on offense. And Iowa is just going to keep doing what it's always done. And I don't think that's a very, you know, obviously he's telling the truth. He wouldn't, you know. I don't think they're going to spring any surprises on us tomorrow or Saturday, but I don't know. I mean, it was, uh, he's basically like, Hey, if this is my last year, so be it. We're doing the same thing. We're always doing. That was kind of the message. Yeah. It was really interesting because usually he is up there almost kind of filibustering a little bit. He provides um, a lot of tangents in his answers and he's kind of a little all over the place. And on another front, when he's talking about his place within Iowa's football structure, usually very passionate about 
the fact that he's from Iowa, went to Iowa, he's coaching at Iowa, that he embraces all of that. And this one was kind of like the opposite of that. He's very much like short, sweet to the point with his answers. And also to your point, pretty much saying, if this is going to be my last year, I'm going out with, you know, our offense. We're not going to tweak too much. We're just going to try to execute it better. And if this is the last, this is my last year I'm at peace with it is pretty much what he said. And in a lot of ways, like I kind of liked that he kind of had that attitude. Like I, yeah, I respect it honestly. Like yeah. I mean, is that the smart thing to say? Is it going to play <laughs> well? Is it the smart thing to not change the offense? Maybe not. But do I respect the fact that he's just like I'm going out on my? We're going out on our own terms. Like we know who we are. This is who we've been for eleven years, twenty years, however long. And this is how we're going to go out. Um, I kind of liked the Brian heel turn. For my for my wrestling fans out there, so um, <laughs> that just I mean that just made me more excited, I guess, to kind of see what what uh, the offense has in store. Yeah, it actually it actually leads me while you were talking there, it just made me think to myself, like, could this be? I don't know. I have no information, but like, could this be like the last year for Kirk and Brian? It was, you know what I mean. Like, we're going out with however it's going to be, you know, but we're not going to change. And I don't know, just something that, that struck me as you were talking there. I, I don't, I kind yeah. of think Kirk's not, not ready to be done yet, but just like, yeah, it almost just seems like they're almost arm in arm here. Band together. The last and, dance. We need need somebody to to Photoshop like the the Bulls with like Kurt Bryan, Cade McNamara, and like maybe like Eric All or Luke Lachey or somebody else. Like put all their heads on Cooper DeGene. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like yeah, maybe the last the last hoorah. Uh, Don't take this as gospel. We have no idea if this is going to be their last year. But um, for Bryan, I mean, again, it just very much was. You know, this is who I've known Iowa to be. This is who we've been. Yeah. They've had success with it before. Um, Scott Dodgerman, the athletic reference, the 2020 season of the offense, you know, scored almost 30 points a game. They ran the ball well. So it has worked in the past, and I think, you know, they yeah. want to ride out with the scheme that they have. And, you know, they've added some new players. Obviously, there's a new quarterback. I mentioned Eric All at tight end. There's some new offensive linemen coming in. And uh, we'll see what they do with receiver in the portal. But, um he was almost taken aback a bit when you brought up that players have mentioned subtle changes yeah. to the offense. He was like, really? He was like, well, if that's how they feel, that's great. But yeah, uh, <laughs> the the focus is um, pretty much just doing what they've done, just at a better clip than they have the last few years. Yeah, his quote on that directly was, I don't know that there's any notable changes. If that's what the players think, that's super. We're just trying to move the football and help the team win games. And that was kind of the theme. Uh, let's let's get you the direct quote from Brian uh, regarding the contract. Uh, basically, two two parts to it, Kennington. So I kind of want to get you know any further reaction you have here. You know, the, the first question was it almost felt like it was a prepared answer in a way because it, it was very direct and it was very good. I felt like he said, "I'm going to approach my job the same way I have for 11 years." The reason I'm at the University of Iowa, the reason I I coach here is because I care about this program. I care about the people in this building. I have one responsibility. That's to help them win football games. That's it. That's how I'm going to approach my job. So then, as you referenced, well, as we 
as Scott Docterman referenced, you know, in his question, you know, hey, if you're up 24 to 10 on Wisconsin, like we, you know, the Hawkeyes were last year, uh, you know, on the doorstep of the goal line with 30 seconds to go, do you punch it in, you know, to help that 25 points per game clip? Uh, and he goes, uh, that's probably a better question for the head coach. I'm not interested in that, and I could care less, honestly. If this is the last year being offensive coordinator of Iowa football, I'm at peace with that. And then this was like, I thought his best line. <laughs> and if we're beating Wisconsin 24 to 10 with 30 seconds left, you can bet your ass I'll be at peace with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like they're going to punch it in. That's just my, that's just my two cents. <laughs> like, yeah. They, yeah. Right. If they're, why not? If, why if, not? Literally. Why not? I mean, if they're yeah. on, if they're on the goal line, it's 24 to 10. I mean, that honestly could be the game that decides the West and they might want to put a exclamation point mm-hmm. on that and, and try to punch it in there. So I feel like there's going to be some situations where if they're on the doorstep of scoring and it's against a divisional opponent, I don't think that they're going to try to go out of their way to run up the score on, Western Michigan or Utah State are like an inferior opponent, but if it's Wisconsin, Minnesota, for sure. Purdue, um, Nebraska, maybe, you know, why not add a little razzle dazzle on on top in the in the waning minutes? So I don't think that um I I agree or I yeah, I would agree with Brian that I don't think that he is taking this um 25 point per game amendment to kind of like oh let me just try to change everything that i've done to try to meet this this goal i definitely think that it motivates him i think that the outside pressure of what iowa's offense has been from a local level regional and even national now that was a big part of of last season i think that he is internalizing all of that and i do sense that there is um, a fire within him to try to prove um, the naysayers wrong. I kind of felt that today Um, in his answers where, again, previously he's been very much um, having these kind of like passionate answers about how much he cares about the program and how much it means to him to be the officer coordinator. And very much this, this time was like, we're just, I'm trying to, we're trying to be better. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna improve on what we've done well. That's our only goal. That's all we're focusing on, and we're just going to leave it at that. So very direct, uh, Brian Ferentz today. And honestly, personally, that was probably my favorite presser of his since I've been mm-hmm. on the beat. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's uh, 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 it's an inter- interesting to hear you say that because it was it did have a different tone for sure. Um, yeah, and that's not, and that's, I mean, and this is not my personal endorsement. That that just means that indicates that the offense is going to be better. We're going to have to see it. Obviously, in the right. fall, we'll see who's healthy. But just in terms of his tone and how focused he was with his mm-hmm. answers, again, he does have a tendency to kind of go off on tangents a little bit. I just thought that he was just like very lasered, very like dialed into um, what his talking mm-hmm. points were, and he did a good job of getting his points across in like a very like short, concise, but still thorough way. Yeah, it was nice to get a lot of questions in, actually. So, um, you know, Cameron didn't complain there. Uh, it was one a, another thing kind of stood out a few times. I don't know if you picked up on this, but there were a few questions about like the fans, right? And uh, you know, I think John from the Gazette asked him, you know, hey, what would you know after two year two years of kind of feudal offense, you know, what would your message be to the fans? And you know, his direct quote was, 
I don't have a message to them. <laughs> I don't, I don't, right, exactly. <laughs> I, I think he's kind of, like he said, he's doing it for the people in the building. I think that's yeah. that was his strong message. He never said anything about, you know, the fans. So, I, and that that kind of spoke in how he addressed every question. He was, he's not going to change because fans want him to change. He's not, you know, the program's not going to change because they want a different, you know, a different approach on offense that's maybe more attractive to watch. Uh, they are going to be who they are. In fact, he says we know how we win games, uh, to which someone in my reply said, we, does he know how we, <laughs> we lose games? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, yeah, again, kind of what I've been saying, as far as his response to not having much to say to the fans, I mean, I don't know if the fans really want to hear anything from him either. I mean, what else is there to be said other than we got to we gotta have a better offense? So. The fact that he didn't have a message to the fans, I don't really have a problem with. I feel like in a way he was saying without saying like my message to them is just like, we'll see you in the fall. Like, I mean, there, yeah. there really is nothing. He seems else. confident. Yeah. He seems confident. And um, there's nothing else to say. We've heard. It's been like this cycle, the last two spring, summer falls of changes. We see no change. Changes. We see no change. We don't, we don't see any improvements. Now it's like. Just show up in the fall. And that's and you know the off no, there are no changes. This is the offense. We'll see you in September when mm -hmm. it really matters, and you know we're playing games for for real. So I don't really have a problem with his answer to to that question. No, no, I, I like you said, I I appreciated his honesty. He didn't, he wasn't making stuff up to try to appease fans. He was basically saying, "Hey, we are who we are. This is how we win games." And I think it's part of it also to me is I think he kind of is defending his, himself a little bit because because of Kirk's ultra conservative offensive approach, which obviously has has won Iowa a ton of games over the years. Uh, you know, the punting and defense and field position approach, you know, where Iowa is not taking chances. And uh, I think Kirk, you know, brought up the example of the Purdue game when it, you know, had a big lead early in the third quarter and basically just said, we're not going to gain any more yards. We're just not going to lose this game. And they didn't, you know, they won the game 24 to three or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I sense that too. Like, Hey, I'm doing what I'm told to win games. You know, I don't have to always score points to win games. So, Anyway, how are they going to score points? Well, Cade McNamara, Kennington not going to be, go through 11 on 11 on Saturday. Kind of expected, I guess, but I was hoping to see at least a little bit from him. Hopefully he's out there in 7 on 7. It sounded like maybe he would be, but uh, obviously really positive reviews from the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, we should mention, uh, about Cade McNamara's arrival on campus. What did you take from that? Yeah, I think – He's kind of reinforcing what we've heard from the players. And he looped Eric all into this group as well in terms of players coming in who are adding something other than just skill on the football field. And I think there is something to be said about two guys who are team captains on a blue blood program like Michigan who have won at the highest level and have played in the college football playoff. And that's not to say that Iowa hasn't won a lot of games and they've played in big games as well. But there's a different type of energy when when those two kind of came into the building with the expectations of winning the the Big Ten and the way that they've kind of asserted themselves as leaders. 
I think has been noticeable. And Brian Ferentz reinforced that today with Cade. And he kind of said he hasn't gotten the reps, but just what he does day to day, how he carries himself, the energy that he's brought. There's no disputing who the starting quarterback is and who one of the central leaders of the team is. So I think it was interesting to hear him say that. And, um, and I know you asked about Cade, but just kind of continuing with the, the quarterback room, I thought that the fact that he had good things to say about Joe Labus and Deacon Hill was notable as well, because there is, I feel like a competition there for that number two quarterback spot. And that is going to be something to really watch for on Saturday because Cade's health right now is in flux. We expect him to be ready for the fall, but history over the last few years has shown us that I was going to need more than one quarterback to win the West and the development of Labus and Deacon Hill coming in and developing as well is going to be one of the bigger storylines on the team. So lots to kind of dissect about the quarterback room, but by and large, it seemed like he's pretty high on all three guys, which um, hasn't always been the case. Um, you know, going back to, to last year and the year before. Yeah, really good point. Um, he definitely said um, that Joe Labus's performance in the bowl game, obviously, as, as you remember, you know, he got thrust from scout team to starter, you know, with uh, Petrus's injury and Padilla's transfer. So, you know, they didn't know what to expect. And and Brian Ferentz said, you know, he just said the things I thought he was going to struggle with, he did, but also the things I didn't know, he did pretty well in the bowl game. And so, and obviously he, he led, you know, didn't create any turnovers in that 21, nothing win uh, against Kentucky. So that was a positive. And then he had this to say about Deacon Hill, Kennington. He goes, you know, he has a lot of arm talent. He can throw it a long way, very accurate guy. And also went on to say how he has a, a you know, an ability to learn uh, quickly and absorb knowledge quickly. So that gave me, that gave me some, some, uh, that was pretty good to hear. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, you know, a, a guy that the John Budmeyer plucked from Wisconsin who, you know, where he was bef before. So I think that, that they, that's the quarterback depth is a lot better than maybe I thought it would be at this point. Um, so that, and the Hill acquisition could be really important. Definitely. And I mean, what you said about him being able to pick things up quickly is notable when you think about what Alex Padilla said about how difficult it is to pick up Iowa's offense. So the fact that he's coming and picked it up well is a good sign. And when you talk about the dynamic between him and Labus, Labus did start in the bowl game and he did have the bowl prep, but just in terms of playing Iowa's offense in practice, I mean, he doesn't have too much more experience than Deacon Hill does. Labus had a few spring practices, but in the fall, he's not running Iowa's offense. He's a scout team and he got the bowl practices, but Hill's coming in in a pl place where it's not like the gap between Petrus, Padilla, and Labus was so far away. The gap is much closer between those two, which is why I think that this uh, competition is notable. So I'm interested to see what Deacon Hill brings to the table. Uh, we haven't seen him play unlike the, the other two. So I'll be interested to, to see what he brings to the table. And the whole big arm, arm talent aspect is also intriguing because that kind of conflicts with what Iowa's play style is offensively, not taking those you know shots down the field and not really stretching it vertically. I'm interested to see kind of what he looks like in kind of like the short intermediate game and if they do take some shots with him deep on Saturday. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll explore kind of how those two guys looked, uh, you know, in our Saturday writings, post game 
uh, uh, Saturday podcast. So stay tuned for that. I'd say let's just let's table the wide receiver discussion until we see more on Saturday. We know about the injuries. Uh, promising comments, I feel like again about Logan Jones at center from, today from Brian. So let's, let's we'll wait and see how the offensive line develops. Also on Saturday, but probably time to move on after 20 minutes here of OC talk into the next uh, coordinator we talked to, which was Phil Parker. Uh, you know, much longer opening statement, and Phil is usually pretty short with his words, uh, kind of went through almost the whole defense. Um, obviously, the thing that, that stuck out to me, which I followed up on, was they had 10 kind of lackluster spring practices on defense in his eyes. You know, he has a very high bar, obviously, but uh, said the last four have been really good. And uh, I think that has to be a part, Kennington, to losing Jack Campbell off that defense, Riley Moss off that defense, Seth Benson off that defense, Kayvon Merriweather off that defense, you know, plus Van Ness, plus Logan Lee's injured, plus Joe Evans is injured, plus Noah Shannon's injured. So you just got a lot of new guys on the field out there. I have zero concerns that this is going to be an elite defense, but it did stick out to me that it it got off to a little bit of a slow start this spring. Yeah, and in addition to what you said about the guys that left, these are all team captain level guys. I mean, Riley, Kayvon, and Jack were team captains. I feel like in any year, Seth Benson could be a team captain. Same with Joe Evans and Noah Shannon. So not having those guys there and having to rely on some younger guys to step up and be those vocal leaders is something that's new. He mentioned Jay Higgins as a guy who's kind of brought some juice and he has kind of the credibility to do so as somebody who stepped into um, somewhat of a starter role last season in place of um, Justin Jacobs who got hurt. But otherwise there's not a lot of kind of vocal guys on that defense. Cooper DeGene is somebody who leads by example more so Jamari Harris is a really good player, but he hasn't been on the field. So he's kind of working his way back um, along the defensive line. Like you said, Joe Evans is kind of a fiery leader, but he's been off the field. Noah Shannon has not been available either. So it's been an opportunity for, I think, Phil and the other assistant who can kind of step up and lead vocally and kind of set the tone in, in practice. So not surprising to, to hear that they haven't quite been meeting the super high mark. I mean, it was a historic defense last last year, but it seems like they're kind of in an upward trajectory and kind of like hitting their stride at the right time. So like you said, I have no concerns about the defense, but it is going to be interesting to see who is that next wave of vocal leaders, emotional yeah. leaders on the defense, because those positions have been entrenched for several years now. Yeah, I expect kind of Logan Lee, Noah Shannon to kind of be, you know, once they're healthy, be kind of more vocal leaders. And then um, I think as far as like dominant players, obviously we think of Cooper DeGene, but a guy that stood out today in his answers is Deontay Craig. Um, you know, I think he's poised for a big year. And I'm glad you picked up on on Jay Higgins because it almost sounded like to me that, that Phil was supremely confident that he would be able to fill what Seth Benson did a year ago. And that's a pretty notable statement because I think Seth Benson's going to be on an NFL roster uh, this August. And, you know, Nick Jackson, he was asked about Nick Jackson a little bit. You know, he's probably going to be playing the middle when he gets here. I mean, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny. You were one row behind me uh, in today's, like, seating or whatever. And I wanted to, like, turn around and, like, you know, give you a smile or a laugh. Like when, did you notice like Phil Parker said like three or four names 
<laughs> incorrectly, like Keith Fisher instead of Kyler Fisher. <laughs> there was, there was, oh man, there was like two or yeah. three others. DeGene Cooper. Uh, and then God, there was another, there was like two other ones, at least one other one. But anyway, it was, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Uh, and that I was, that led me to thinking about Kyler Fisher. It sounds like he's had a really, he and, and uh, Higgins are basically running the, the middle linebacker spots. And then uh, uh, Carson Shire has been running the outside linebacker spot when they go four three. You know, I don't know how much four three they're going to go this year, but uh, I don't know. I didn't really hear any red flags at all other than it felt like he still feels like they need cornerback help depth wise. Yeah. And I think they're still scarred by that Nebraska game. Yeah. I mean, um, how can you not be like, I don't want to kind of rehash what happened in the Nebraska game. We, you know, we saw it, all the fans saw it, but it goes to show like what can happen when the depth at a position in Iowa secondary is depleted and how teams can quickly take advantage of that. So I agree with you. He, he said, when mentioning the TJ Halls, the Deshaun Lees, the Cohen and Tringers, the the second wave behind the frontline starters, he needs to see more development and he needs to see more growth because they're not going to be in a situation where it's going to take three or four injuries at cornerback like it did last year for a TJ Hall or Deshaun Lee to, to come into the game. It's going to take one injury for them to, to come in. So the the depth that was there a year ago when you had Riley and Cooper and Terry, it's not there this year. So they're going to have to continue to develop. It's going to be interesting to see if they go into the portal and, and try to get, um, you know, some more depth at that position. So I'll be interested to, to see what happens on Saturday as well and kind of see how those guys are moving with the the two defense and maybe they'll get a few snaps with the, with the ones as well. But um, it's been a position that I've been asking uh, Phil Parker about since the bowl game. You know, what have you been seeing at the development that I wrote about it last week? And um, that was probably one of my bigger takeaways today is that it still is um, a bit of a question mark, even though um, those guys are growing because they're getting more reps this spring. Yeah. And don't forget, two years ago, injuries also decimated the secondary late in the year with uh, Riley Moss, Matt Hankins, uh, heck, even Jamari getting hurt in the bowl game. And of course, Terry Roberts. So, you know, they lost basically. <laughs> uh, at different times, though their top four corners, and then that, that's why Cooper played, you know, against Kentucky. And here we are. Uh, let's move on to special teams. I, I think let's again let's let's get into defense more in our post game spring game uh, podcast because we can get our eyes on those guys. Uh, but special teams, man. I mean, boy, Lavar Woods was was rocking today <laughs> from the get go. Uh, so much positivity about these special teams and just sort of the almost the system. And it was, it was really cool to hear him talk about how you, he sells young players on playing special teams and being invested in special teams because he just flips on tape of Jack Campbell playing special teams or even Sean Green or Adrian Claiborne. You know, he can go back, you know, once Lucas Van Ness is, you know, first round pick next week. Hey, here's Lucas Van Ness, you know, blowing some guy up on the first time he ever played special teams on, on kickoff coverage and blocking a couple punts last year. So, uh, you know, he got me fired up, and I'm sure he's getting his kids fired up too. And uh, obviously, we haven't even talked about punter and kicker, but uh, you know, just a real positive session from Lavar Woods, and that's why he, he's beloved, and a lot of people want him to be the next head coach. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't have the exact, I don't have the transcript in front of me where I could kind of re quote what he said, but I mean, the detail that he was going with and with all of his answers was just um, extremely notable. One in particular, when he was asked about Cooper and kind of his ascension as a punt returner, he kind of went through how he grew, grew up in Iowa's program through the special teams and got a chance to, to play against Wisconsin in 2021 and how that parlayed into the bowl game and kind of how he's ascended to the player he is now. But looking at the culture within Iowa's program and special teams, I mean, to your point earlier about the complimentary football and field position, it is such a big part of how Iowa wins games that it's probably not too hard to get players to invest in being a primary special teams contributor. Obviously, every player wants to have a large role within their position group, but it's been a proven formula that if you can do well on special teams, you're going to earn the trust of your coach to play at your position when the opportunity comes. I think the most recent example of that would probably be Castro and how he was a great special teams player in 2021 and got an opportunity this past year. And now he's penciled in as a starter at, at cash and Iowa secondary. So it's, it was good to hear his optimism. We couldn't get too much into a lot of the positional things because they do kind of hold off on like the live periods of special teams and the schematics until the fall. But um, again, all, all the starters are, are back and it seems like they're developing more depth at that kick returner spot and trying to see what, what they have back there and if they can, um, you know, kind of improve the depth there and see if there is um, another option that they could throw back there. That's probably my biggest takeaway from that is that Xavier Walker was kind of working there. Leshawn Williams, Caden Weijin, Alec Wick, um, Deshaun Lee, TJ Hall. There's a few guys um, kind of in the mix at that position and um, those guys are cross-training at punt returner as well should something happen to uh, Cooper. So it was, um, again, LeVar is always, always great. And I think fans can expect to see another um, elite spe- special teams unit this fall. No, yeah, no question. I, I would love, you know, he did reaffirm Cooper DeGene uh, will return punts this fall. That's the plan. Uh, I can't imagine they changed that at all. Uh, just because of how good he is with the ball in his hands, how reliable he is with the ball in his hands. Uh, so, but let's go to punter, uh, Tory Taylor. We haven't gotten a chance to talk to him yet, and we will on Saturday, uh, post, post-game post or post-practice, whatever. Uh, but he has uh, – he's working on his directional kicks and also uh, a little bit notable today, Aaron Blom, you know, who lost the kicking job uh, last fall, is now punting. And according to LeVar Woods, looks really good. And he seemed very surprised by that. Uh, so that's that's kind of a cool development that, uh, you know, it seems like Drew Stevens, you know, has the inside track to, to be the kicker again for the Hawkeyes uh, and that he's continued to develop. So that's another positive sign. So you got to feel really good. And plus, I was long snappers back. I mean, the whole kicking operation right now just seems to be elite. Uh, and you have, I mean, I don't even know what else to say. It's just like you, you don't just turn it on and it happens, but you just feel so good about this this group with with LeVar Woods in charge. And honestly, that group is going to help Brian Ferentz's 25 points per game contract too. They're going to get him good field position. They're going to knock in three points when they need to. And uh, that's huge for this team. Yeah, definitely. And I'm um, glad you brought up Aaron Blom because last year when it did start trending in – Drew Stevens' way to become the kicker. LeVar kind of gave us a bit of a warning. He's like, you haven't seen the last of Aaron Brom. And 
you know, it's kind of something that like you laugh off a bit, like, oh yeah, like we we've definitely seen the last of him, <laughs> at, at least at, at kicker, and now he's um, emerged as you know a really good punter. So that's going to be a position that I was going to have to fill after next season once Tory goes to the NFL. So maybe their next punter is on the roster right now, and it might be Aaron Blom, which would be uh, you no know, a really good like a really cool story, like he emerged as a starting punter. And Drew Stevens is the starting kicker, and like they're both kind of starting and, and contributing to the team. Um, but that's a little ways out, obviously. So I thought that was um, a pretty cool development. And also with the experience that Tory brings to the table, it's allowed for some of the other backup punters to get a lot more work. So, um, you know, LeVar is starting to develop depth at that position as well. So, in terms of you know, the other special teams things, you know, who's going to be the gunner uh, opposite of of Cooper and and everything else who's going to be kind of like those stock risers on the special teams unit. Who's going to be the next Jay Higgins, Kyler Fisher, Castro? Um, that is still to be determined just because they're doing a lot more like skill work than actual um, special teams things. But, um, you know, LeVar's really happy about what he sees today. And, um, you know, I expect the special teams period on Saturday to go um, swimmingly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unlike last year, Kennington, if you recall, how yeah. terrible the field goal kicking was like. His, <laughs> something that LeVar was even laughing about today. But that, again, shows you the the growth and development that Drew Stevens and, you know, the Iowa kicking game made from spring to fall. So just kind of a good reminder, like, that, uh, you know, what we see at the spring scrimmage will not necessarily translate to the fall. But uh, obviously, we will report back to you. And uh I'm sorry that uh, the weather is not the greatest for you guys out there that are, that are maybe going to come on Saturday, but the game is on and uh, should be fun. It's fun to see. It's the last time we can see some Iowa football, really, until August Kids Day. So come out and enjoy. Kennington, final word? Yeah, just um, yeah, just looking forward to Saturday. Looking forward to seeing where each player lines up. And um, offensively, I know we kind of touched on – receiver and offensive line is something that we're going to talk about after the practice once we see them. That's going to be where my focus is at. Can Iowa's offensive line hold off what's going to be a really deep defensive line between this first and second unit and the wide receivers who are available? Are they going to be able to win on the outside against Iowa's defensive backs? Thank you, Kennington Smith. Thank you, Hawkeye fans, for tuning in. Uh, for Kennington, this is Chad Leistico. Register signing off. We will see you with a post-game episode sometime Saturday evening, uh, late afternoon. We'll see what we'll let you know, but we will have one. Uh, thanks for tuning in and talk to you soon.